Welcome to the OA Light a Candle podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would like to now introduce our speaker for tonight, Jess M. Hi, everybody. I'm Jess. I'm a compulsive overeater and sugar addict. Hi, Hi. Great to be with you all. Um, thanks, Rashad, for asking me to speak tonight. It's good to be here in person, to be seen, um, to be responded to. And... Um, yeah, it's really special to speak on this podcast. I actually found um, OA through the podcast, um, so I'm really grateful for folks who do service to keep this active, because I had never heard of Overeaters Anonymous, and um, somebody who struggled with binge eating um, shared and said, you know, if you struggle with binge eating, maybe this podcast will help you, and so I identified with that, and I found the podcast, and that's how I found the program. So it's really special to um, contribute service in this way. And I came into Overeaters Anonymous in August of 2015. And um, if I make it to May 23rd of 2022, I will have six years of abstinence from binging. Um, Thank you. Which is completely a miracle because I will say um, I just had a natal birthday. And I just remember... Every so I I really started binging um, in when I was like 16, and after that every birthday every New Year's you know I really had the intention that this was going to be the year that I would stop binging because um, I was so tired of it and it was so painful and demoralizing and something I really didn't want to be doing. Um, maybe I wanted the food at the start, but I I didn't want to be binging. Um, and, you know, it never went away until I came into this program. So I love OA. Uh, it's given me so much in my life um, and so much more than just not binging uh, anymore. So, or for today, anyway. Um, and I think I want to share that, you know, my, to start to just say that my recovery journey and sort of what I understand um, my higher power wants for my life is really characterized by freedom and by ease. Um, and those are things that I did not have uh, before I came into recovery. And um, so I'll probably come back to that. But um, And I also want to share, I think, tonight about um, my experience with sugar. I identify as a sugar addict and have recently, over the past year, Um, done some work around recovery related to sugar, for me specifically desserts, Um, and so I'll share more of that too, but to say that I, um, you know, I grew up in a household where there was a lot of love, um, and I had three siblings and two parents who were very present, Um, I had a really joyful childhood, Um, and so you know, there were not things that I could point to in my childhood and say, this is what messed me up, right? Or this is the reason I have an eating disorder um, or I have this disease. I really feel that, you know, I was just born um, with a lot of fear, a uh, very sensitive person. It says that in the big book, I highly identify as a sensitive being. 
um, and just very afraid of things that I don't necessarily need to be afraid of, right? So I have a big fear, um, or I did before I came into recovery, a major fear of being hungry. And I did not grow up hungry. You know, there was food in my house. um, And so I don't know where that comes from. There's just so much discomfort and fear that comes up for me around. It's really around, like, not being comfortable. Like, hunger for me is uncomfortable. And um, I want to avoid that feeling. So I would just eat preemptively, you know, to avoid getting hungry. Um, And I also grew up in a household where there were very few uh, desserts. Uh, My parents, I really appreciate their intention. They didn't have a lot of sugar in our house, if any, ever. Um, And for me and how my brain works, you know, that I can see how that created challenge for me. But again, I don't blame them. I have three siblings who grew up in that same household, and they don't have this disease, right? And they are like, you know, there's no dessert around. That's fine. And then we have a dessert. They're like, this is cool, and they move on, right? But for me, it was like, oh, there's a dessert. I'm just going to eat and eat and eat it because I don't know when I'm going to have it again. Um, And so there's just a lot of scarcity for me, a scarcity mindset in my disease and, um, yeah, so anytime I had access to foods that I thought were more fun, more enjoyable, I ate and ate and ate. So um, my best friend growing up, I'm sure we might all relate to this, but she had the best snacks. Her parents bought the best snacks. And so we used to go over there a lot of times after school, and I would eat so much. Like, there was no, like, oh, I'm hungry for a snack, so I'm going to eat a snack, and then I'm going to finish. It was just like, what do you have available, and I'm just going to eat it. Um, and, you know, really to me didn't cause a lot of problems that I could see because in part because I was very active. I was an athlete from the time I was four years old. I did multiple sports. So the overeating didn't show up on my body. And I also, when I was really young, wasn't eating, um, like there was a turning point in high school when I started going to bed with my stomach extremely full, right? And when I was younger, that wasn't really happening. But when I got to high school, I remember one time specifically going to sleep with, like, the pain of being very full and feeling like, you know, this is not good. Like, why is this happening? Um, And this doesn't feel good, right? Um, So I also want to say that a lot of my disease uh, manifests as obsession, and that's how I really understood that I had an eating an issue with food, I guess is um, there was a distinct moment when I I was in college and I had probably like a paper to write or some homework to do. And it was definitely my go-to to to get, you know, um, sugar, desserts that would make me feel more comfortable. And then I felt more able to go study. Um, I appreciate the nodding heads in the audience. (laughs) I'm not alone. And um, so I went to our student center and there were sort of three places where I used to get desserts. One place had one thing, one place had another thing, right? And I wasn't sure which one I wanted. And so I went to one place and I sort of looked at that option and I was like, maybe. And I went to the next place and I was like, hmm, maybe this option. I went to the third place and I was like, ah. And then I circled back to the first place, right? And I realized I was having a lot of trouble making a decision. And then I looked at my watch and it had been 45 minutes that I had been going from place to place to place and couldn't decide. And, um, in part, I mean, I've learned in this program a big um, part of how I live in the world, but especially in my disease, 
is perfectionism, right? Wanting to choose the perfect dessert so that will set me up for a night of studying and also um, sort of having this idea that, well, it's not really okay for me to have all three desserts. Like, that's not okay. That's a bad choice. So I have to choose the right one. And um, I just was like, I don't think other people spend 45 minutes trying to figure out a dessert to have. And now I've wasted 45 minutes of study time and I need to go to sleep, right? Um, And so that was one of my first cues that I didn't have a sane relationship with food. Um, And honestly, I... Like, the big behavior that got me to um, come into this program or to get help was um, binging. And specifically, like, on weekends, kind of being out with friends and then coming home. And it was automatic that I was going to eat. It was not a choice for me. I could not come home and just go to sleep. Um, And like I said, I was an athlete, and um, I had this place that I like to go work out. I was friends with a coach. I loved it on, on Saturday or Sunday morning. It was so much fun. But I, waking up after a binge and trying to go and do this workout was like the worst feeling, you know? And I, I hated it and I hated myself. And I was like, I wasn't working out to make up for the binge. I actually genuinely enjoy exercising, but I, you know, had just annihilated so much food the night before and I felt horrible. Um, so that was really the behavior where I wanted to get help. Um, but when I came to the rooms and listening and to other folks and really hearing like, oh, there's so much more that I would do with food or think about food, um, that is not sane. (laughs) And I didn't realize that until I got here. Right. So hearing other people talk about, you know, taking, like, being done with food, putting it in the trash, taking it back out, um, eating food that's spoiled, eating food that, is, like, not being able to wait until the food has cooled down before eating it, burning my tongue, right? All these behaviors where it's like, oh, actually, if I had a sane relationship with food, I probably wouldn't engage in those behaviors. Um, and a lot of, like, body checking, right? Um And I realized in this program, like, I definitely have a dysmorphic relationship with my body. I don't know what my body looks like. I do a lot of comparing, or I did do a lot of comparing to other people to try to figure out, like, is my body okay? Because I don't understand what's happening. Like, how how large is she? Like, are we the same size? Are people looking at her? They're looking at me. Just so much wasted time. I mean, I can have compassion for myself, but, like, wow, I spent so much time obsessing. Um... So I think I'll just say, like, hopefully it's clear that's not my experience today. Um, When I came into the rooms, you know, I really connected to people's stories about the food. Um, But I was not here to work a 12-step program. Absolutely not. I hated hearing about God. I did not want to work the steps. I was like, I'm not working the steps. I'm just going to listen and connect in the meetings. And I'm going to make up my own food plan. And we're going to be good to go. Um, and needless to say, like, that was a very sweet idea, but, um, I kept relapsing. Like, it didn't work, you know? Um, and that's because I cannot manage and control my food or my obsession about food on my own. I need a spiritual solution. I need a fellowship. Um, I need a higher power. That is the only way that I can get to, for me, that I can get to sanity, and that's why I keep coming back. Um... And 
Yeah, so I'm glad I was finally willing to get a sponsor and take sponsor direction. It felt like a really long time, that you know, several months, but now in the scheme of things, I think it was relatively short because I hope to stay in recovery for a long time. Um, but I will say also I came uh, into the meetings and I was enjoying the meetings and not working the program for about four months. And then I was home um, for winter holidays with my family and around that time of year, you know, my family celebrates Christmas, and then there's New Year's. There was a lot of sugar in our house because people, like, send over desserts. And I remember, um, you know, I'd been in program a few months, and my family was all together one night. We'd had dinner. I think we'd had some desserts, and then we were watching a movie. And I was just going, like, the house is set up that you can see the TV if you still go to the kitchen. And I was, like, watching the movie while just walking back and forth between the living room and the kitchen, just getting more um, and more desserts. And I had this moment of awareness that I was like, oh, this is what powerless is, because I couldn't just sit on the couch. Like, I was just always going back to get more desserts. And I also had this moment of realization that, um, you know, my parents are in their late 70s, and you know, I'm, like, aware that they're not going to be around forever, and I had this realization that if something happened to them, um, that I would just be in the food. Like, I would not be able to move through that pain. I would just be in the dessert, right? Um, And that really kind of shook me to say, I want recovery, right? I don't want to be, like, trying to grieve and just stuffing my, my face with desserts, Um, so, I mean, I'm grateful they're still here today, and what a gift. I've been able to have, um, more years with them in recovery. I recently made amends to my mom, which is amazing. Um, so, um, so yeah, that really got me to kind of, to work the program. And, um, I guess I'll share how I worked it at the beginning. I worked with a sponsor where, um, she asked me to commit my food in the morning, uh, which I did not want to do. Um, but this program has been a lot about learning humility for me and being able to take direction. She asked me to go to a nutritionist to get a food plan, and I was like, I already know everything about nutrition, so I don't know why I need to do that. And then lo and behold, I met with a nutritionist, and I learned what a serving size was, which I thought I knew, but um, I did not. And, um, you know, I learned how to nourish my body. I learned the amount of food my body needs. And committing the food in the morning was very helpful for me because I realized how often I was reaching for food, again, out of fear of hunger, um, you know, boredom, discomfort. Like, I was just always wanting an extra snack. Um, And so that commitment really helped me see, like, oh, no, you can actually survive three whole hours without eating something or whatever, you know, Um, 90 minutes without eating something. And that was really, really helpful. Um, And... Um, I no longer commit my food in the morning. I stopped working with that sponsor, and I now know how to feed my body um, in a sane way. And, um, yeah, I also, um, I sponsor, I have a sponsor, and that's been really, really helpful, really important. Um, I take sponsee calls almost every day, and that's been just, it just really keeps me in the program, and I also know that service is a huge part of 
uh, recovery. Because I realize, I mean, it says in the big book, you know, what we've so freely been given, like the fact that my first sponsee, or sorry, my first sponsor took my call six days a week for two years, right? And like would meet with me for an hour to go over step work and whatever. Um, and she gave that to me and I, um, you know, I want to pass that on to other people. So service is definitely a big part of my recovery. Um, I also want to share, I said at the top that my recovery is a lot about freedom and ease. And so um, ease for me is part of the concept of my higher power. Um, so my higher power is whatever is the simple, gentle, loving action um, is what my higher power wants me to do. Because I come from like just um, trying to do too much all the time trying to cram in too much into the day, trying to do everything perfectly, trying to do the most. And, um, you know, that's how I got through college is I was doing a million, million things. And then at the end of the day, I needed to take a breath. And the only way I knew how to do that was to eat, right? To sit on my couch and have cereal or to sit on my couch and eat food. And so I learned in this program, um, for one, I don't schedule myself to that extent anymore. Um, and I also have other tools and other ways of breathing, including meditating. I meditate twice a day. Um, you know, I journal, I write gratitude lists, um, things like that. But really, now I can see how my higher power has just always been, it's always about easy and simple, right? Like, the fact that someone was like, oh, this podcast is helpful. Like, I didn't have to go searching for OA. My higher power just said, here's OA, Right? And at the time, I was living in New York City, and there are over 100 meetings a week in New York City. I could walk to meetings. I could get on a bike and be at a meeting in four minutes. I could go to multiple meetings a day. Like, it's just so in front of me, you know? And um, as someone who came in very against the concept of a higher power, things like that were important in helping me to kind of let go of what I thought life should be and to be like, oh, maybe there is something bigger than me. Um, and yeah, I've shared this elsewhere, but uh, it's just really poignant for me, which is um, I was sort of working on developing my concept of a higher power in step two while I was in New York City. First of all, I just asked other people what their higher power was, which I highly recommend. Um, so, you know, there's so much wisdom in the fellowship. There's so much experience. So I was asking different people, and I think I must have heard this in some way from someone else, but um, one of my concepts was when I was walking home, you know, at night after hanging out with people, and I always would stop somewhere to get food, right? Um, things are open at all hours in New York City. And I remember the thought came to me that, okay, I'm walking towards my house. I know where I want to go, this bodega or this pizza place or whatever. And I'm just going to follow the traffic lights, right? So I'm going to follow the stop, like the red hand, or I'll follow the, the walking person and see where it takes me. And I sort of did it as like a challenge to a higher power, like, okay, let's see. And um, when I did that and I just followed the traffic lights, it took me away from the place I wanted to get food and it just took me directly home. And I kept doing that over and over and it would always just take me directly home. And um, I heard on a podcast someone say, you know, there's something bigger than me that doesn't want me to eat or to starve or, you know, whatever, to hurt myself with food. And so that's an example. Like, the, the traffic lights were conspiring to make sure that I got home and just went to sleep. Um, 
And so that helped me be like, also, I think the language around um, step two, which says that we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And then step three, we made a decision to turn our will in our life. Like to me, it just suggests I could see those things as like coincidence or like, you know, oh, that's just how the lights are at 3 a.m. in New York City. But I choose to believe that that is evidence of a higher power, right? I choose to believe that when I see a fellow out in the real world, that that is a nudge to say, like, you're in the right place or, you know, let's make same choices. So things like that, I just started choosing to believe. Um, and that's been part of my process. And so, yeah. Um, so I... I don't know. I'm really grateful for a higher power. Um, I love my higher power. Again, like I said, it's it's just whatever is simple, easy, loving. Um, so today, you know, the higher power-based actions were like actually do less, right? I had a plan for something, and it was like we're just not going to do that today. We need more. We need more ease in our day. Um, and. Yeah, I guess I want. I do want to touch on the sugar a little bit because um, I came in knowing that my relationship with desserts, for me it's desserts, right? It's like honey and a tea is not an issue for me, but any form of dessert, it can have no sugar in it, and it was an issue for me. Um, I could not eat those items sanely, and I always wanted more, and I always was obsessed about them. So after a lot of, like, banging my head against the wall metaphorically, I became willing to put those items down, um, and I put them down and picked them back up many times in my recovery, and I knew I got to a place where I really had to surrender when I was, um, you know, I was sponsoring, and I would, like, schedule my sponsee calls around whether I was going to go get ice cream, you know? I was like, okay, I don't want to I don't want to talk to a sponsee after I've had this dessert item, which, like, red flag is like, oh, so you feel like you're not sober, basically. <laughs> or, like, you know, I'd rather get the dessert than talk to the sponsee. Like, and I love in this program, you know, the foundation is rigorous honesty. So nobody knew that, like, my, you know, unless I told someone. And I told my sponsor. I was like, this is not okay, <laughs> you know? Um and then I became really, really willing to, to put desserts down. So I put them down, um, and I didn't eat them for about three years, which was a miracle to me because I came from um, having to have a dessert to, like, get through the evening, you know? Like, I, man, I had, like, a, a gift card to this one place near my apartment, and I blew through that thing so fast. Like, I had so much shame. I didn't want to tell my roommate, like, uh, how quickly I spent this massive gift card. You know, I just, um, yeah, it was like, it felt like, you know, an injection into my body to be able to, to move through the day. So, um, yeah, so it really worked for me. I learned from a fellow, not an option, not a problem. And so I was like, you know what, instead of trying to grapple with, like, should I have this or shouldn't I, let me just put it down. And that really worked for me. It gave me a lot of freedom. And then about, um, I guess like a year ago, I was with some friends at the beach, and um, we had these, like, frozen things that were just fruit. And I had one, and I was just like, you know, like, 
having a great time with my friends. I had that thing. And then I got home later and I was like, I think that was like kind of a dessert item. Like it's shaped like a dessert item, you know, like, hmm, interesting because it, there was no noise around it. It caused nothing. There was no blip. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I, hmm, maybe that's something like, should I have not had that? And then there was something else that my partner was like, you know, this is something I used to have growing up. It's based in a fruit. Like, oh, do you want to try it? And I was like, okay, cool. And then later I was like, I think that was like kind of deserty. And so I just started being like, this is interesting that I'm having these items that like, I don't even notice that I'm having them. And so I started to, you know, have a conversation and really interrogate um, and connect to like, what does recovery look like for me? Like, what does my higher power have for me? And so I'm just sharing this because, um, you know, this is my experience. So if it's not yours, that's fine. But just my experience that I really started to interrogate and connect to recovery for me is about freedom and realizing that one of the reasons I wasn't having desserts is when my sponsor and I talked about it, I said, you know, I'm so afraid that if I have one bite, like I'm out, right? And that I can feel it right now. Like I just had so much fear about that. And, you know, was like five years abstinent. And so we talked more about this and she was so gentle. Both my sponsors have been so gentle and, you know, she was kind of like, okay, like connect to your HP. And so I started talking to other fellows who had desserts in their plan. And it, for me, it wasn't around like, oh, I want to have desserts. It was more like, I want to be free to just like whatever with food, you know, like I just want to be free. So yeah. Um, and a, a part of my concept early on in my higher power is when I was afraid of a food, I would eat it. So I had a lot of like, oh, you can't have that food. It has too much fat in it. And I was like, that's really great. I'm going to eat that food, right? And that was like part of my counteracting the fear around food was to go against it. And that really worked for me. So I was like, I think this is the same thing. Like, I'm so terrified of this food item that someone made. And like, I feel like, you know, I don't have freedom around that. And so I started having um, desserts, you know, in conversation with my sponsor, in conversation with fellows who have desserts. Um, and it was so incredible to, like, have bites of a dessert and be like, oh, I'm good, you know? And I never thought that that would happen, but I really realized that, like, what I come from is just so much fear, and I'm never going to have enough, and it's not going to be good enough, and I need more, and I need more. And I really feel like my higher power has restored me to sanity with food and just in my life of being like, I'm going to be okay. Like, we're okay. You know, I'm going to be taken care of. It's all good. Um, and yeah, so that's been my experience. It's been about eight months of having desserts and being able to like take it or leave it, you know, um, which is my experience with all other food. And so um, that's just been really healing for me. And I wanted to share that because I, when I identify as a sugar addict, a lot of people reach out about the sugar. And so um, I want to share my journey with that. And I will say that. I think I only got to this point of sanity because I had to put the desserts down, get super clear, work my steps, connect with a higher power, right? It's like I couldn't be in them and trying to get sane for me. I don't I don't know if that would have worked. So, well, I, who knows? But this was my, my journey. Um, 
So beautiful. We have about 10 minutes. I would love to stop and take questions. So thanks for letting me share. Any questions? Yeah, right here. Thank you so much. Um, I was wondering if you could talk about, um, you know, like you talked about living in scarcity um, before program and and just like your journey with sugar having um, allowed you to not come from this yeah. sort of fear and scarcity. And um, I was wondering if you could talk about um, how um, that, that um, sort of revelation has affected you in your in the rest of your life. Totally. So the question is about um, sort of the scarcity mindset and countering that with desserts and how has that shown up in the rest of my life? It's a very timely question because um, about a year ago, I quit my job to um, work for myself to become an independent consultant. And um, that's something that I definitely could not have done without recovery. I had so much fear. How am I going to pay for health insurance? How am I going to make enough money, right? And so... um, you know, being in recovery has helped me make that choice, but also I live into that, like countering that scarcity mindset every day, right? So when, when like there's an opportunity for professional advancement, it costs money, but it'll really be good. It'll help me in my skill set. I'm like, okay, I'm going to pay for it and I'm going to trust that I'm going to make enough money to, you know, to make up for this expense, right? And that's happened several times uh, this year. Or just trusting that work will come, Like, I was talking to a fellow, actually, and she was like, oh, yeah, my dad was an entrepreneur. I would never want to do that because he was so anxious all the time. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, that's not my experience. I'm just like, you know, I'm just doing the work in front of me, and it's been my experience that, like, work just keeps coming. And when there's been a little moment of, like, oh, man, that job is ending, like, I don't really have something lined up. And then I get an email that's like, hey, are you interested in this? So... It's just, yeah, it's been really important um, and really helpful for me. Because I, if I were in the fear, like, I would do jobs that, you know, I don't really want to be doing. Or I'd be like, you know, now I can, like, advocate for, um, you know, my hourly rate and stuff. Instead of just being like, oh, sure, I'll do it for no money because I'm afraid. Right? Um, so I think it's really transformed my life. Thanks. Do you have a question? Yeah. Yeah, could, thanks so much for your share. It was great. Um, could you just clarify, because you talked about that, you know, you cut the desserts out. Yeah. Now, so I guess I'm a little confused. Did you bring them back in? I did. You do have them now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the question was, uh, did I bring desserts back in? I did, yeah, about eight months ago. Yeah. So how often do you have them? Oh, I don't know, because I don't track it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was, actually, I was tracking it. It's a good question, or I'll add. Um, I send a tenth step every night to my sponsor, and one of the questions is, is there something that needs to be turned over at once? And she had said, if you're having desserts, just let me know. You know, just be open, be honest. So I was putting it in there when I would have them. I was like, hey, I had this, you know, after dinner, whatever. And then I realized that that, like, through that action, it was almost like putting a judgment on it. Like, oh, you need to tell her that you had this. Um, and so I let that go as well. Um, and so I just... You know, I have them or I don't. Just with any other food, I don't turn any other food over to her. We talk about it if I feel like I need to talk about food. I haven't talked to her about food in a long time. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, what, um, hi. Hey. Uh, can you talk about 
Can you talk about like which step was probably the most transformative for you? So what step was the most transformative for me? Um, I always want to go to the fourth step because I that was so revolutionary, like revealing to me. Um, I've worked the fourth step twice, but I would say I think it's not surprising, probably the ninth step, um, because definitely a through line in my recovery is um, gaining more humility, right? And I came into the ninth step. I've taken my time with the steps. Um, neither of my sponsors ever, like, pushed a deadline. So by the time I got to the ninth step, I was like, okay, I'm ready. You know, let's, like, finally do this. I'm so enthusiastic. And um, my sponsor said, okay, well, why don't you write all the people? We had my eight-step list, and she said, why don't you divide it into green light? You feel ready to go. Yellow light, you're not so sure. And red light, people are like, uh, you don't really want to make the amends. And I was like, they're all green light. Let's do it, right? And then I started making them, and I was like, whoa, pump the brakes. And I just saw that there was just more... Um, I just needed to invite my higher power in more, and especially there were a few that um, it was like, is this really for them, you know, rather than like, is this for me? Do I want to feel better that I made this amends? Um, So there was more kind of learning, going back to the literature, listening to fellows, and connecting to like, what is the purpose of the ninth step amends? So I think that was pretty transformative. I will say a few of the amends were very surprising. I made amends to an ex, and, like, you know, I wasn't even sure if I'd be able to contact her. I was like, she probably blocked all forms of communication, but we, I got in contact with her, and we had a really beautiful conversation. Like, she made amends on her side, which is not, you know, something I would be expecting. Um, Like I said, I made amends to my mom, And, again, we had a really beautiful conversation. We, like, she reflected on, you know, the kind of her part in um, the house I grew up in. And, um, yeah, so I think it also, my first sponsor used to say, let people surprise you. And I think that was my experience in the ninth step, too. It's like, there's just, I don't know, there's more than I could understand when I'm, like, in control of it has to be on this timeline. Like, these are going to be the outcomes. And when I really surrender it, you just, I don't know, you don't know what's going to happen, so thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Carolee. I have just, like, two quick questions. What's your abstinence today? Yeah. And then what you mentioned about seeing the nutritionist, was that experience, like, any parts triggering, or was that mm-hmm. part, like, an enlightening and, like, useful experience? Sure. So the first question is, what's my abstinence today? I've kept the same definition, no binging. Um... And I did want early on to have, like, the OA definition, you know, no compulsive eating behaviors, and it just wasn't feasible for me. And my first sponsor was, like, keep it simple. It's better to, like, start getting some abstinence, start sponsoring, start being of service. Um, But I would say probably the last few years my experience is more in line with the definition from OA, which is no compulsive um, food behaviors. Um, Yeah. And then the second question was around seeing a nutritionist. Was that triggering? Um, I found it helpful because, like I said, I didn't know that I didn't know what actual serving sizes were. And the biggest thing that I took away from seeing my nutritionist was I learned that I wasn't eating enough during the day. And so, yes, I'm a compulsive overeater, and I have a 
you know, a disease with food. And likely a lot of my binges were set off by, like, I was actually physically hungry and my body was saying I need more food. And then I would spiral into a binge and it was such a strong, um, you know, behavioral thing and I was seeking comfort and I had shame and that just worsens the binge, you know? So learning to actually eat enough during the day and then, like, I didn't need more food after dinner. So for me, a big thing was no longer eating after dinner because that was so triggering. Like, having something after dinner was like, this is scary. Um, But that's something I've worked on and it's no longer scary. But I know for a few years, like, I couldn't be alone with food after dinner. I'd have to, like, call a fellow or, like, have, you know, support around me because that was just such an old behavior um, that was so diseased. Yeah. How do you deal with social environments? You're at your friend's house. And mm. Yeah. How do you deal with social environments? You know, you've been eating dinner and you've been invited over maybe to watch a movie or a show. Sure. So, <laughs> so how do you deal with social environments where there's food? Um, so I've done different things in the course of my recovery. Sometimes it looked like you know what, that's just not a sane environment for me, so I'm going to eat beforehand, and I'm going to commit, like, no food there. It was easier, like, not an option, not a problem, really works for me. So it's easier to say it's not happening than to be like, what am I going to pick off the platter or whatever? Um, I would say I'm now in a place where I can, like, make a plate, and, you know, it's fine. Um, And I think I'm now in a place where I'm in touch with, like, am I physically hungry? Does my body need nutrients? right? Like, is it time for a snack or whatever? Um, but before I couldn't tell, I just wanted the food. Um, so, you know, things like committing to a fellow bookending, like, Hey, I'm going to this event. I will text you after, or I'll call you. Um, yeah. So different strategies for different times, but I would say, I think the last thing I'll say with the time is, um, you know, abstinence is the most important thing. Right? It was always so important to say, my recovery comes first no matter what. Like, nothing on that platter is worth it. So, that's it. Thank you.